my name is Colin, and I am excited to be here with you today. You know, as a junior, it's, it's fun to look back, uh, and it seems like not too long ago, I was looking at colleges. Um, it, it's, wow, time goes fast. Uh, but one of the things that really drew me to Manhattan Christian College, and you might have heard it earlier today, is that Manhattan Christian College holds this vision statement that says this. That every student and graduate would be prepared and motivated to penetrate the world with the gospel of Christ regardless of chosen profession. Uh, This was different than uh, almost anything that I had ever seen, whether that be in a Christian school or um, in in a secular school. Uh, Like I said, this attracted me most to this school. Uh, But it's important to know that this vision uh, stretches far beyond the campus of Manhattan Christian College. It stretches to all those who have accepted Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. That means me. That means you. We are all uh, called to be prepared uh, and motivated to penetrate the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are all called to be full-time ministers of the gospel. Uh, This seems like a big task, because it is. It's a huge responsibility, and it's something that we should not take lightly. Uh, But as a whole... Uh, over the whole United States, we as a church, capital C Church, are not doing a very good job of this. In fact, uh, there's a group called Lifeway, and Lifeway is a research group, uh, and they took a survey a couple of years ago that said this. About 61% of Christians, evangelical Christians, just like you and I, uh, have not shared how to become a Christian, have not shared Jesus Christ with anybody in the past six months. Over half of the people, over half of the active Christians in the United States have not shared Jesus Christ with anybody in the last six months. Uh, That is a wake-up call if I ever heard one. Uh, But I'm going to be honest, I'm as guilty of uh, lacking this motivation as anybody. Uh, It's not just uh, the people across the the country, it is us here now. Uh, We, as a church, are, are, are not fulfilling our ministry. Uh, but we've got uh, to understand that we're called to more than simply being Christians wherever we are. Uh, we can live a Christian life, uh, but we're called to more than that. We're called to be ministers of the gospel wherever we are and what we're doing. This can be difficult to do. Uh, but being a minister, whether you are working in a church full-time, in the public schools, maybe you're uh, working in a factory or out in the farm fields, uh, we are called to fulfill our ministry. We all are. Now, the Apostle Paul knew this, and he wrote about fulfilling your ministry in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 1-5. through 5. So if you would turn there in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. That's where we're going to be studying today. Uh, but before, or as you're doing that, I'd love to tell you a little bit about what's going on in that time, why that's relevant today. So Paul is writing uh, the letter of 2 Timothy uh, to a man named Timothy. Uh, shocker. Um, uh, but, but things are, are not uh, very Christian in the world of Timothy. You see, Timothy uh, is in a world that is full of a lot of immorality. Uh, there's a lot of sexual immorality happening in Timothy's area, which doesn't look that, that different than the world that we live in here in the United States. Uh, there's a lot of false teachings happening around Timothy. Uh, false gospels, uh, people preaching false truths about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, again, something we deal with quite often. 
There's also idol worship going on in the area that Timothy is in. Uh, people are, are worshiping false gods, and maybe uh, people around us, our neighbors, our peers, aren't worshiping statues, but they are worshiping things like money or their jobs. Uh, so all of these things, even though this book was written uh, about 2,000 years ago, these things are incredibly relevant to us here today. The words of Paul telling Timothy how he can fulfill his ministry apply to us. They're words that, that uh, encourage us to fulfill our own ministry today in 2016. So, uh, with that being said, would you stand as we read uh, the Word of God? 2 Timothy 4, 1-5 through says this, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears, and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Uh, Holy God, we come to you today uh, with open ears to hear your truth. Uh, we don't. Uh, we we pray that our itching ears um, would stop, uh, but we would be receptive to you and you alone. God, I pray your blessing over this church here in Troy. Uh, I pray your blessing so that they can reach out uh, to this community, to this state, to this uh, nation, to the world. God, uh, fulfilling their ministries for you. God, we love you, and it's in your Son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. All right, so the first thing that Paul uh, Paul says here uh, is that fulfilling your ministry is God-ordained. Fulfilling your ministry is God-ordained. Uh, don't be scared of this word ordained. I know that it's a big churchy word, uh, but it simply means appointed, ordered, decreed, commanded. We have been uh, given a command ordered by God to fulfill our ministries. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, I charge you, I urge you, I solemnly urge you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. If you're like me, you probably gloss right over that. It doesn't say anything specific about what we're to do in our lives, but I, I want you to notice this should stop us dead in our tracks. This should be throwing up a huge red flag saying, hey, look at what's about to come, because God has commanded this. It's of huge importance uh, brothers and sisters, this is something that we should not take light, uh, lightly in the slightest. Uh, Dorothy Sayers says this, We have declawed the Lion of Judah and made him into a fitting household pet for pale curators and pious old ladies. Now, as a whole, our view of God is so low uh, that this phrase nearly has no value, no weight to it. Our view of God must be elevated, must hold more value than it does. Each and every one needs to that in mind. Uh, let me let me uh, illustrate maybe a little bit of what I mean by this. If we were to take this phrase, um, I, I, I uh, command you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus. If we take that idea and we replace it with somebody else and a different idea, uh, it starts to make a little bit more sense how we're supposed to follow, how, how we're supposed to react. If your mom and dad were to say, um, I need you, I command you to go take out the trash. Uh, you would understand uh, that there's an expectant, 
expected obedience there. Uh, it's not said in the hope that you would take out the trash, rather that you would take out the trash. Uh, maybe going a little bit, um, a little bit more extensive. Uh, the the vice president of the United States comes up to you and says, "Listen, I need you uh, for the president uh, to go do this right now. The president needs this. The president has commanded this." Uh, regardless of your political affiliation, if it were me, and I'm sure it's the same for you, I'd be running out that door taking care of whatever needed to be taken care of because the President of the United States has commanded this. Uh, but, but this, this, uh, this, this command, this, this, uh, this call is so much more important than even, uh, the call of the President of the United States, the most powerful man in the world right now. This is the holy God, the creator of all, commanding us uh, as his people to go out and fulfill our ministries. Uh, so, so church, uh, let's take this with heart. Uh, let's get going. Let's do this. Uh, so, so Paul uh, says to fulfill our ministry is God ordained, but we also must know that fulfilling our ministry is practical. Fulfilling our ministry is practical. And we see this in verses 2 through 5, uh, in order to follow God's call uh, to fulfilling our ministry, we have to do. We have to do. Uh, we see this, like I said, um, in a very practical list. Straightforward. Uh, it's a list of things that we need to do, each and every one of us, as ministers of the gospel. Paul didn't write this list flippantly. He wrote it with intention. Uh, these are specifically laid out, um, and they're expected for us to do in order for us to truly fulfill our ministry, which is why it is worth uh, our time to take a moment to, to dig into this list that we see, to make sure that we understand all the words that we are reading. Uh, Paul gives us eight commands, and in the original Greek, these are written in what is called the imperative form. The imperative form is that command form, go do this, uh, take out the trash, um, in the same way, like I said, there, uh, that, that your parent has an expectancy of you completing the action that they're calling you to, uh, Paul is, uh, is writing these with expected obedience. These are not a hope, uh, that are fulfilled. These are expected. These are commanded of us. And the first is preach the word. Preach the word. Now, a lot of times we think preaching is what I'm doing right now. I'm standing in front of you and I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. While, while that is preaching, each and every one of us can preach. Uh, this simply means sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share the story of Jesus with those around you and whatever you're doing. Preach the word. Speak the scriptures. Second, be ready. Be ready. We must prepare ourselves to stand strong in this fallen world. We must know the word of God, and we must find this in scriptures. We must be praying constantly. We must be building up the body of Christ by being brothers and sisters, being unified as the church. We live in a crazy world, and if we are not ready for the things that come up against us, we have no chance of fulfilling our ministries. So be ready. Third, reprove. Uh, this isn't a word that we use in everyday conversation, but it means this, to correct with kind intent. Uh, today we hear a lot of things that don't line up with the truths that we find in scriptures. Uh, we must stand strong against those. Speak up for truth. Do not, do not fault on truth, but do not forget to do so with love. Uh, this is the second and great, uh, second greatest commandment. In Matthew 22, 30, 36 through 39, we read, 
that Jesus is asked, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your, your uh, heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do not forget to hold uh, tight to truth, but do so with love. Rebuke is like it. Call out the wrong that is in this world. Call it out. This one can be really difficult for me. It is so easy for, for me to let things go by and for me just to have a quiet mouth um, and sit passively as things go on around me that I know are not uh, holding to the truth that God gives us. But we're called to rebuke. I think oftentimes we're scared that in calling out um, these things that our relations will be hurt. But rebuke with love at the forefront in, of your motives and rebuking will become a positive, growing experience. If this is an encouragement, if rebuking is hard for you, look, rebuke is followed immediately by exhort, a word that means to encourage. Exhort in the word of God. Rebuke, call out the wrong, but encourage them to do what is right. Encourage. I love that that's followed by a positive thing. Encourage. Next, uh, we're not given a command, but we are warned that people will follow teachers that suit their own passions. You know, sometimes I think that, that teacher ends up being ourselves. Uh, we end up uh, following the things that we want to do rather than doing the things we know we're supposed to do. Uh, be, be, be leery of this. Watch out for this. We're warned to, to have an eye for this. Stand strong. But then it's followed by another command. Stay sober-minded. This doesn't mean uh, to, to, not, uh, to not be intoxicated with alcohol, although shouldn't do that either. Rather, what Paul is saying here is have a clear mind. Know what the truths are. Uh, don't be clouded by the things of this world. Have a clear mind so that you can stand strong, so that you can rebuke with excellence, so that you can exhort in the name of Jesus. Endure suffering. This is a hard one. You can't just go out looking for suffering. Uh, you can't run out and say, I need to suffer. Uh, it's part of fulfilling my ministry. But, but, but hear me. Suffering will inevitably come your way as a Christian. Uh, so, so what Paul is saying here um, is that we should not pity our sufferings. There's something to rejoice in. Uh, this is something that's difficult to do. Uh, but, but Paul speaks of rejoicing in his sufferings and his letters to the Colossians. Our suffering grows us. Our suffering shapes us. Gives us power um, in our testimony. Endure suffering. And finally... The last command that uh, Paul gives us is to do the work of an evangelist. Share the gospel. If you don't do this intentionally, it will never happen. I know this, um, and I'm sure that you do too. Make a point of sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with others. It can be uncomfortable at first, but this is a thing that gets better and easier with practice. The more that you share the gospel, the more comfortable it becomes, the easier it becomes. Uh, do the work of an evangelist. The list is practical. We either choose to obey it or we don't. But remember, we are charged in the presence of God. This is massively important and obedience is expected. So we know that fulfilling our ministry is God-ordained and we know that fulfilling our ministry is practical. And finally, Paul says this, fulfill your ministry. And you're probably right now thinking, yeah, that's what we've been talking about this whole time. He just keeps saying, fulfill your ministry, fulfill your ministry. And you're right. But this is so important to understand that we are called to this. Now, we've looked at this long list that Paul gives us. 
in order to help us better fulfill our ministry. But he knew that this list would not be enough. He knew that this list was comprehensive, but it wasn't complete. Paul could have written a list of ways to fulfill your ministry, and that list could have been as long as the Bible. It could have gone on and on and on and on, and we would have been bored out of our minds. Uh, but, but instead, he chooses to end this list with fulfill your ministry. So that looks different for each and every one of us, and that is okay. As it says in 1 Corinthians, we are a body of Christ, and each one of us is a part of it. It takes all of us doing what we are called to do, fulfilling our ministries, in order for us to be effective as the church in our ministries. If we are not obedient to the callings of the Lord, and we do not fulfill our own specific ministries, we have missed the point. But what does this look like? Uh, let me tell you a story about a man named Mr. McVeigh. Uh, now, I came into contact with Mr. McVeigh through a girl named Karen. Karen is my age, and she attends Kansas State University. Um, and she reached out to me about uh, reaching the Islamic people at uh, Kansas State University um, to, to share the gospel with them. Uh, and when I heard her heart about it, um, I had to share. Now, let me tell you the story of Mr. McVeigh. Mr. McVeigh was your typical middle-class man, and he lived in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, he was working in a factory, actually. So he was doing the job that um, many, many people do. Uh, a very, very normal job. Uh, but a few years ago, Mr. McVeigh began experiencing dreams, which is very strange, but uh, he was being uh, given vocalized messages uh, to go and, and receive his medical degree. Something totally different than what he was doing in life. Now, like I said, this is very not typical, um, but through a ton of prayer, through a ton of counsel from his peers in the church, he decided that he was going to, um, he was going to go ahead and get his medical degree. And the whole time he kept saying, God, why, why am I being called to this? And there wasn't a whole lot of answers until one day he got a phone call out of the blue, um, from one of his peers saying, Hey, I know that you got your medical degree. Uh, I just heard about this job opening. Let me get you in contact with some people. So Mr. McVeigh was on the phone uh, for, a, for a long time, and he had several interviews. Um, but the strange thing was, was he wasn't quite sure what he was uh, interviewing for. He knew that he was interviewing for a job in Saudi Arabia, um, but he didn't know what exactly the job entailed. He knew that he had to have a very high level of security clearance. Uh, but again, through a lot, a lot of prayer, a lot of counsel, um, a, a fasting, uh, he came to understand that, whoa, this job um, might be fulfilling my ministry. So long story short, Mr. McVeigh got a phone call shortly after his interview saying that he got this job in Saudi Arabia. So him and his wife were flown to the country where they uh, began working with his new client. His client happened to be the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Um, now, now this crown prince uh, began to have a relationship with this, uh, this man, Mr. McVeigh, to the point where Mr. McVeigh was able to share the gospel uh, with the crown prince of Saudi Arabia. The, the crown prince's heart began to change uh, to the point where uh, he began putting in place legislature that allowed Saudi Arabians to come to Kansas State University, to come to the United States with scholarship, uh, to the point where the United States and Saudi Arabia began to have better relations, better relations. Uh, and um, like I said, the whole time, the gospel of Jesus Christ was being ministered to the crown prince of Saudi Arabia through Mr. McVeigh. Now, this man that Mr. McVeigh was working for um, ended up becoming uh, the current king of Saudi Arabia. 
So the king of Saudi Arabia today in 2016 has been ministered uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ by Mr. McVeigh simply because he was bold in fulfilling his ministry. I know that this is an incredible and exotic story and not everybody's story is going to look like that. Uh, but we are called to fulfill your ministry. Maybe that looks like pursuing a degree in education like Elena uh, and, and ministering to the students in our public school systems. Maybe that looks like becoming a counselor uh, like Taylor um, and being able to minister to families out in the real world. Maybe that looks like becoming an engineer like Gage uh, and working in the workplace, ministering, fulfilling their ministries. Each and every one of us is called to this. And I encourage you to pray, um, to share, share the gospel, exhort, rebuke, do all of the things in that list. Uh, but here's the question, why? Why, what's the point? Is it worth it? I urge you, yes, it is. God is worth it. Psalm 145.3 says this, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Therefore God was highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Revelation 7, 9 through 10, After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with loud voices, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God is worth it. We have hope in Jesus Christ. Fulfill your ministry. So this week, I encourage you to take time to read over 2 Timothy 4, 1-5 through again, uh, taking heart the commands that are given to us uh, by Paul, through, uh, through Paul, by God. Examine the list of commands and compare them to the way that you live your life and the things you do to fulfill your ministry currently. Pray, open yourselves to being obedient and fulfill your specific ministry that God has set out before you. We're in this together. Your church supports me and I in Christian college. Uh, we support you. We're in this together. Hear me, I'm praying for you. Um, I know that uh, these guys are praying for their brothers and sisters. That means you. We're in this together. And Paul says this, I end with this. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Fulfill your ministry. Would you pray with me? God, you are worth it. I pray that as we go out into our lives, um, the the day-to-day activities that we do every day, uh, that you give us ways to to minister, uh, that your name would be known in this area, that your name would be known in this world, God. We're tired of complacency. We are tired um, of the way that we see the United States of America not holding true uh, to you. So God, let us be instruments of change. Uh, let us uh, be instruments for you. God, we surrender our lives to you. And it's in your son Jesus' name that we pray.